The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Stable Jewel. Stable Jewel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $25,000 with one entry. Head over to StableJewel.com to get started today. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts.
So that hooks around and then just pulls his leg away. Rashford and it comes to Sancho oh, they both left out of the England squad a couple of weeks ago they both made a mess of that you are listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast you can follow BetMUFC on Twitter at BetMUFC that's at BetMUFC also follow the Twitter account for the Soccer Gambling Podcast it's at SGP Soccer that's at SGP Soccer also follow the Twitter account for LockBetting.com it's at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. So LockBetting.com without the dot. This is my pay service that has so far delivered 106 months in a row of transparent track profit. That means that we are two months away from being able to say that we are undefeated in sports betting for nine years. That's every single month in the last nine years, 108 months without a losing month. So far, we're up to month number 106, so we won't jump ahead. We need to get month number 107 in the bag first, and that is the month of April. We've made a solid start, and hopefully it continues for the rest of the month. We have tons of stuff to cover this month. We have another big boxing card coming up as Tyson Fury returns to the ring. Our last boxing card went 9-1. and one. We're posting out plays successfully for tennis and the NBA. And of course, you guys know what I do on soccer and long may it continue. And hopefully we can make this month number 107. If you want to be a part of the journey, head over to lockbetting.com and sign up for this month. If you want to do your due diligence, all the P&Ls are available at lockbetting.com. The easiest way to get to them is to look at the pinned tweet on the lockbetting.com Twitter account, which is at lockbetting.com. The pin tweet will be the PL for the previous month. I still need to swap it over from um, from February to March. I usually do that during a quieter period. I like to let my PL sit on top of my page for a couple of days and usually wait for things to quieten down. But at the moment, that really isn't happening. It's so hectic with domestic football and Champions League and Europa League and international football. I'm still trying to squeeze in a World Cup podcast that I will be doing either late Saturday night or Sunday morning. But there will be a little bit of a gap for guys to listen to that. It's an important podcast. There's a lot of interest in it. I should have probably done it already, but as soon as the World Cup draw was made, we were immediately back into EPL action. So it was difficult, but I am going to drop that now regardless this weekend. And hopefully you guys can check it out while it's at the top of the feed and it doesn't get buried by all of the Champions League and Europa League content in midweek. So make sure you check that out. But as I said, I will be posting the PL for March in the next couple of days as well. But if you want to go and check the month out of February, go and have a look at that by looking at the pin tweet and then do your due diligence by going down to the bottom. You'll see little tags. They see things like NBA, tennis, soccer, whatnot. Um, one of them says PL. That will take you through to all of the other PLs. You'll see the members' comments. You'll see the type of plays that we do. You'll familiarize yourself with the service before you even sign up and you'll be able to decide if it's for you. One thing you can't question is the legitimacy. I make um, I make everything wide open to everybody. That's why I use Patreon. So members' comments are on the PLs and the posts. The PLs are most important because you can see the members are verifying the plays. There's no way you can take a play off that lost or not add it to the spreadsheet. There's no way you can add stuff that was a phantom play nobody ever saw. That'll be picked up on immediately, especially as it's 2022 and everything is very woke and snowflakey. So there's no way to lie about it. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And um, 
And yeah, this is what we do over at LockBetting.com. And what we do is more successful than what Manchester United do. Because what Manchester United do is drop points in games where they should have won them. I don't understand the, the lack of enthusiasm for this game. I understand Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't playing. That can be used as an excuse. But it's a shitty excuse because last season we didn't have Iran, Sancho or Ronaldo. And this, this same group of players finished second in the Premier League. There's just no urgency here at all. This was a run of games that we should have won. We should have beaten Leicester. We should beat Everton this weekend and we should beat Norwich. Those three wins, those nine points put us in a very different situation looking at the table. For me, looking at the table now, I'm not so much worried about Arsenal and I never was. I think when you hear my podcast and you hear what I've been saying, saying throughout I've been consistent that Arsenal would would blow it this isn't a hot take coming off the back of Arsenal losing against Crystal Palace I always said I did not think this team would see it through over the line and picked out multiple games where they would drop points and the Crystal Palace one wasn't even one of them so this is a bonus loss for Manchester United and Tottenham but I think Tottenham are too hot at the moment Um, Arsenal have gone on a run Uh, Tottenham have gone on a run. This is what teams have done throughout the season. United haven't had their run. And if they're going to get into the Champions League, they need their run now because there aren't really any games that I see Tottenham losing other than the one where they go away to Liverpool. It's difficult to see Tottenham dropping any other points. We desperately need them to drop points this weekend against Aston Villa because that's one of their tougher games. Otherwise, it's all easy games mostly against sides, not playing for anything, not trying to stay up in the table, not trying to get into European places, teams that won't turn up, teams that'll be on the beach, other than that game against Liverpool and, of course, the six-pointer against Arsenal. But Arsenal have a much more difficult schedule, going to Tottenham, going to West Ham, going to Chelsea. London derbies are a nightmare if you're trying to accumulate points and Arsenal already found that out by losing against Crystal Palace. So I think Tottenham are the team to watch and I think off the back of losing points against Leicester, dropping two points, we now have to win out other than the game against Liverpool. I think that's an acceptable game to lose. I think everybody has the earmark as a loss for us anyway, but we now need to win away to Arsenal. And what we need to do going into that Liverpool game is we need to get back-to-back wins against Everton, who look absolutely piss poor at the moment. We'll talk about Everton after this and um, also at home to Norwich next weekend. But uh, Ralph Ragnick had a different take on it. He was talking about the the international break and how long players had to get ready and, and things of that nature. Look, this was the same situation for everybody. You cannot be coming out with this excuse. These excuses really, really sounded like poor, sour excuses at this point. I've been defensive of Ralph Ragnick since he came in. Um, I thought that Or rather, I think that Manchester United have had really good periods under Ragnick. I think we've had good 45-minute periods, but it hasn't been sustainable. If you look at some of the 45 minutes under Ralph Ragnick that we've had, they've been the best 45 minutes, some of the best 45 minutes of the season. But that's not the consistency that we're looking for. And now for these excuses to be rolling in, it's... It's looking like Ragnick may not even move upstairs. He's certainly not going to get the manager job. I think that's all been confirmed this week that it's going to be Ten Hag. We're going to come on the show and we're going to look at the odds market and everything for that and spend a lot of time on the next manager market. But there really is no point at this juncture. It looks like it's a done deal. It looks like that we're almost ready to announce Ten Hag. If you look at the the odds, Ten Hag is now a 1-20 to favourite 
with Mauricio Pochettino down at eight to one, Brendan Rogers twenty to one, Antonio Conte twenty five to one, Ralph Ragnick twenty five to one, Hassan Hootel twenty five to one, and Tuchel twenty five to one. I mean, I still am tempted to have a couple of quid on on Thomas Tuchel because obviously that Chelsea situation is a fluid situation, and with Chelsea going out of the Champions League, and with Chelsea possibly not winning a trophy this season, I, I don't think they'll win the FA Cup so I think they'll be trophyless and with players wanting out of the club and contracts coming coming to an end and not being able to renew them I do think that Thomas Tuchel will question his job here at Chelsea and perhaps that's an option that Manchester United didn't know was available to them but if you're looking at the media and you're looking at everything that you're reading it looks like it's completely done and uh, Eric Ten Hag will be the Manchester United manager we'll talk more about how that may look in future shows. But at the moment, I'm going to move on to the Everton game. But before I do that, let's listen to those Ralph Ragnick comments or excuses off the back of dropping points against Leicester. And also for myself, for ourselves, it was an unusual situation in the middle of the season, having two and a half weeks without without a regular game. Players are international duty, only coming back on Wednesday and Thursday. Some of them with the jet lag time difference. Yes, you might say other teams have the same problems, but for us it didn't help us at all in in this moment. Um, missing out uh, with Cristiano, the fourth striker, uh, in the last couple of weeks and months. Yes, Jesse Lingard couldn't even come on because he felt sick. He was vomiting before the game. So um, we had all the offensive players that we had available on the pitch at the end. And uh, yes, it is that it is. We played against a good team. They were in good shape. Yeah, the league table doesn't tell you that Leicester have been a good team this season. It doesn't matter about these excuses. We should be beating Leicester at home. I think one point worth making is he pointed out that Ronaldo didn't play and and, and we were down to our, our fourth striker. Well, where's Marcus Rashford at the moment in the pecking order if he can't play in this team? If Marcus Rashford can't get picked as a central striker when he was one of the key, I would say, three players, one of the top three players for Manchester United last season. I think last season was the start of Rashford not only standing still, because he stood still for a while, but actually going backwards, backwards to the point where he barely played, he barely kicked the ball for England in the Euros and he may as well have got his shoulder surgery early so he's ready for the season. But he decided to to go into the England squad and get his surgery afterwards and miss time as a United player. And now he cannot even be considered as somebody who can come in when we have no strikers. We actually played up front with Pogba and Fernandes in this game. That's how much of a lack of faith that we currently have in Marcus Rashford. What is his future now at Manchester United? Well, I mean, according to a lot of pundits, he needs to go. According to a lot of talk shows that I listen to, he needs to now leave Manchester United. There is no other way. Personally, I wouldn't be sorry to see him go. I do agree with those opinions. I also believe that he was very, very overrated from the very beginning. And we do get that with the English players we're always looking for the next this player and the next that player, the, the next Gascoigne, the next Rooney. All of these names are mentioned all the time. With with, with Foden and Gaza, the comparisons are embarrassing. But with, with Marcus Rashford, I believe that we, we did that again. And obviously, when you're in the media spotlight, not only with England, but with Manchester United, the, the biggest club in the world, that's very, very high profile. And I think immediately we wanted to put this on Rashford's shoulders. And I just never thought that he was good enough. He's never had 
the the goal scoring record, the assist records, the, the the influence in games to justify what was behind Marcus Rashford. I think at the moment he's he's really known as the as the footballer who who feeds children, and that isn't winning us any football matches or that isn't scoring goals. And I'm not even sure at this point whether it's a case of um, sort of not not putting so much time and focus into those projects and solely concentrating on your football because I do think possibly Marcus Rashford has been told that and has kind of, you know, reduced reduced that side of things. But when your confidence is gone and you're playing like this and the manager's lost confidence in you, there really is no way back. I mean, does the new manager come in? Does Ten Hag immediately come in and restore belief in Marcus Rashford because he has belief in him? And why would he believe in him when he's seen Marcus Rashford play like this throughout this season and even towards the end of last season, most of last season? where we, we put it down to a, a shoulder injury. We, we, we applauded him for playing through an, a shoulder injury and making the contributions that, that he did make whilst having that. But he's come back far, far worse. And um, personally, I would not be sad at all to see the back of Marcus Rashford. Um, we are going to move on to the Burnley versus Everton game. I don't usually do this. I don't put audio in for, for other clubs, but... Everton had a mammoth collapse in midweek. They were two and up against Burnley and they were dominating the game as well, looking for a third goal and ended up losing that game 3-2. They are now just one point clear of the relegation zone and you would expect them, even if they get something from this game against Man United, to be in that relegation zone come the end of match day 32. Because I'm confident that Burnley are going to go to Norwich and win. Norwich are in horrendous form at the moment. So if even Everton draw this game, which they shouldn't, and we'll talk about that more in a second, Everton will be in the relegation line. Let's have a listen to what happened to them against Burnley. And then we'll finish off by previewing this game between Everton and Man United tomorrow morning. Corner. Maxwell Corner takes. Oh, it's dangerous and it's in. Well, 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 Nathan Collins... Goffrey, Kenny, inside for Gordon, now to Corey, Gordon again, and still going, it did well there, was he brought down, it's a penalty, Richarlison from the spots, calmly done, cool and composed, the Brazilian gets Everton level, and bang, placed it into the corner almost of that Burnley net. For Iwobi, Nikolenko's made the run, he's got there as well. Well found by Iwobi, was he brought down? Just a slip inside the penalty area, said Mike Dean. Over to the screen, Mike Dean is called. Penalty it is. Penalty, Everton. The steely-eyed look from the Brazilian, and up he steps. And it's the repeat, same again, same results. Everton in front. Two penalty kicks from Richarlison. This the second of them. Pope again sent the wrong way. Charlie Taylor now has found a bit of space. He's into the 18-yard box. Taylor drills it across and Burnley a level. Jay Rodriguez on the end of it. Decore, can he get a shot away? Well, it's screwed up wide for Kenny. Kenny dinks it back dangerously. Richarlison brilliantly done and a great save from Pope to deny Richarlison a hat-trick. Taylor 
sliced away. Vidra cuts it back. Oh no. Corne's put it home. It's an Everton mistake and it's punished. It's finished. Burnley three. Everton two. And Frank Lampard's side. Jules, Everton are in serious trouble. Yeah, massive trouble. We saw on the table, Burnley are creeping in just behind. I mean, Lampard, nine league games, two wins and seven defeats. Not even a draw where you just managed to snatch a point or keep a point. And, I mean, Shundash, I, I thought, said it well after the game, complete trolling them, saying, oh, what I said at halftime to my boys was, I don't think Everton know how to win games. And that's how they came back in the second half and Burnley won that game because... Because Everton were always going to be a bit shaky because they they haven't won enough under Lampard. I don't think Lampard knows how to handle the situation right now, which is a crisis situation. He's never really been in that in that position before, and I think this is part of the problem. Tactically, mentally, they're not ready. They're not good physically either, and just nothing is going their way. Burnley still favourites, so to go down, Jules. Yeah, although, I mean, I think I find that a bit surprising because if you look at Everton's runs of fixture between now and the end of the season, I think it's the fourth hardest in the whole of the Premier League. Uh, if, you, if you look at who they're facing, it's a, it's a horrendous fixture, uh, run of fixtures considering they can hardly beat, well, they cannot beat Burnley, but they can hardly win a game in the last nine with only those two wins, it's a big, big task ahead because if behind they start winning, and not just Burnley, but also the others, then, then I think you could imagine the pressure creeping in, even with the fans at Goodison Park and all those big games coming up against teams that are way stronger than Everton with more, more confidence, more momentum going into the game as well. You can easily, say, easily see Everton not being able to win a game between now and the end of the season, which would mean almost certainly to go down, which would be a disaster for the club. I don't buy at all. People are saying, oh, maybe it would be a blessing if they go down in the championship. And they go. I don't think it's a blessing. I think it's a disaster. Wow. You can still rebuild your team by staying up. You don't need to go down for that. Yeah, so you heard there, it's looking bleak for Everton. You also heard me use a clip from actual Everton's website, the official Everton YouTube channel, which is why they said, oh no, when Cornet scored the, Cornet scored the winner. But uh, yeah, the odds are close. Burnley are the even money favourites and Everton are 6-5 plus 120 at the moment to go down and they do have a, a horrendous run in. I actually think that Manchester United could do Everton fans a favour here by, by winning this game because I think that would be the very, very early end of Frank Lampard. I don't think he's going to get a chance to see this running out. I think they're going to get in a manager who's more likely to save them from this relegation and Lampard doesn't have any experience in doing that. And then it's very difficult to see how Lampard gets any other major job in football after after blowing this. It's, it's difficult already to see how Lampard starts next season, whether he gets out of this or not. Because if he gets out of this, it's going to be down to Everton managing to win a couple of games and Burnley just having a complete drop-off along with um, Watford continuing to be inconsistent as well. So I, I'm not sure what the future holds for Everton but I just have a feeling that if Manchester United do win this game especially if they win it convincingly that uh, Frank Lampard could be gone after this game Man United are the 4 to 5 minus 125 favorites to pick up that win it's 11 to 4 on the draw and it's 7 to 2 on Everton
Looking at Everton and the way they play, I mean, we've just literally had a comment there where they said Everton don't know how to win games. And if Manchester United drop points to this team, then I have lost all hope for this team. And I would be looking to ship out not just five or six, but 10 or 12 players from this side next season. I think United will win, but I also think Everton will be able to find the net. United have scored in 16 Premier League away trips and Everton have conceded in 83% of their games this season. However, um, the Man United last seven away games have seen both teams score, but Everton have lost nine of their 12 meetings with teams placed 10th or above which is a category that Manchester United fall into. Everton have also lost six of their last seven, which is why they are in this predicament. And Manchester United have a full squad to choose from. I think you're going to see Ronaldo, Sancho, Bruno, Pogba, Rafa Varane. I think everybody's going to be playing tomorrow. This is going to be the full strength Manchester United team going away from home where they're better against a team that, that, that need a result. A team that can't just sit in like they did against Manchester City and and, and, and play for a point. I, I think that Everton supporters will be expecting more here against Man United because it's obviously known that Manchester United have their own vulnerability. And if Everton do try to play that up-tempo kind of style and try and win this game, I think that benefits Manchester United where they can pick them off with the with the pace that they have. And this may be a game to, to reintroduce Marcus Rashford. There's been a lot of speculation about his future this week, but I think he could benefit from from playing in a game like this if it does play out like that. And of course, um, Bruno Fernandes has incredible stats against Everton over the last couple of seasons and we'll be looking for a performance from him as well tomorrow. As I said, and I reiterate, if Manchester United don't win this game, they have some serious, serious problems. United have serious problems anyway. Don't get me wrong. Winning against Everton, one of the worst teams in the Premier League in the worst form, doesn't change anything. Doesn't mean that we've suddenly solved something. We should, even playing badly, win the next two games against Everton and Norwich. They're the two worst form teams in the Premier League. This is a nice part of the run-in for Manchester United. We then come across against Liverpool. And I would even say that Nobody is expecting anything from that. No one's expecting anything out of that game. It's a free hit for Manchester United to go away to Anfield. It's a rare free hit. That's kind of sad, but it's also kind of true. I mean, it's sad that we're going to Liverpool with no expectation. Everybody expects us to be beat. It would be amazing if anything else happened. But then we come back on track and then we have a a schedule of games where we should win. Even as far ahead as the Chelsea game at home, we should win that because Chelsea will have nothing to play for in the second last game of the season. So it's not over. I just feel that Tottenham will be very, very difficult to catch. And for me, Tottenham are an absolute lock if Manchester United drop points this weekend. But I'm going to take Man United on the money line as my main play simply because Everton have looked that poor. That's it for me in this edition of Bet MUFC. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.